Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details podcast where we talk to smart people but not necessarily done by smart people that is an awesome question this one goes down probably on one of my top five hey i like nutrition i like to eat food this is the coolest thing ever we're gonna do this forever i wish i paid more attention in that class you know i'm gonna be honest i don't understand that as a man i just i don't get it Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hey guys, Chris here. Before getting started with the show, I wanted to let you in on a little something. As many of you know, the past four years has been an incredible journey. I've worked hard at making the transition from a corporate job that stressed me out to doing work that I absolutely love. And over the past year, I've been helping others do the same thing as a career and life coach. If you're constantly hearing that voice that tells you you're meant for more and you want to achieve that, I'm here to help. Trust me, I've been there and you deserve to love what you do. Shoot me an email at chris at chrisstemp.com or head over to chrisstemp.com slash coaching and let's set up a time to chat. I only have a few slots available, but I'd love to help out anyone in the Smart People Podcast community. So again, shoot me an email at chris at chrisstemp.com and let's build the life you want. Now on with the show. Hey, and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. I'm Chris Stem. And I'm John Rojas. Want to live longer? Yes, please. Question mark. That is what we talk about today, and we have the man who knows it all. Seriously, this was so much fun. I love diving into this. We're talking to Dan Butner, and Dan is a National Geographic Fellow and New York Times bestselling author. His New York Times Sunday Magazine article, The Island Where People Forget to Die, was the second most popular article of 2012. He has been a keynote speaker at Bill Clinton's Health Matters Initiative and has been featured twice on Oprah. Plus, more than one and a half million people viewed his 2009 TED Talk 
how to live to be a hundred plus. Seriously, Dan's incredible. He started a company called Blue Zones, Live Longer and Better. And he also wrote the book, The Blue Zones, Nine Lessons for Living Longer from the People Who've Lived the Longest, which is key. I am so bummed I missed this episode. Yeah. I don't even remember why I missed it, but after hearing you go on and on and (laughs) on after it, I was super bummed to miss it. It's just really cool because he uses science. He talks about where in the world people are living the longest and why, and then how you can incorporate that. Oh my gosh, so excited to pass this along to you guys. We're going to hand it over to Dan here in a second, but if you want to support the show, please head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. Once you're on our site, you can scroll down to a newsletter box that says, want awesome stuff, subscribe to the newsletter. All you have to do is fill in your name and your email, click submit. We put stuff out about every two, three weeks. We pull nuggets out of episodes. We send you interesting articles that we've come across. All kinds of good stuff. We don't send you spam, so and there's don't. also there's also a uh, an auto response on that first one that sends you some of our favorite stuff from Smart People Podcast. Oh yeah, that's right. So you get that, and uh, there's some good links on there. So check it out. Enjoy this week's episode with Dan Butner. Dan, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, I know we were kind of just talking about your unique uh, professional path and kind of the lifestyle you've built. I read an explanation of what you do. They said, Dan is a longevity expert and National Geographic explorer. And I thought those are two of the coolest things on earth. So I was hoping you could kind of let us know in your words what you would consider it that you do and then how you kind of crafted this lifestyle. Well, I'm a lifelong explorer, and I've always really been interested in traditional wisdom and how we can apply it to our lives. Because when you think of it, there are 25,000 generations that have evolved with a certain set of behaviors and a certain set of social norms and a certain set of, well, a certain way of setting up their environment, which in each successive generation favors survival, favors to a certain extent, well-being. And much of my work with National Geographic on both longevity and well-being seeks to identify the happiest and longest lived and then distill their lessons. And there's a lot of them. When you create kind of the business that you have, people think, oh, you know, Dan probably knew where it was going from the beginning. And oftentimes that's not the case. I was wondering, you're obviously just a genuinely curious guy, love to know what's out there, very much in line with what we believe in. And I was wondering, did you ever worry or wonder, is this a career? Am I, am I going to have a job? Or did you just say, here's what I'm interested in, I'm going for it, and look what it's turned into? I still don't have a job. <laughs> I've not, you know, I think it's a big mistake to plan your life around some financial goal. I, I know it's a cliche, but I really believe if you do what you love, it, the the money will come. And uh, there's a huge business. I'm sitting on the 29th floor, downtown Minneapolis, in a skyscraper, and I have this uh, team of people around me. Uh, but never once did I think, oh, well, how how do I make money at this? I think if you set out to uh, authentically add to the body of knowledge and uh, figure out how to make people's life better, no matter what profession that you're in, you'll your, the money will come your way and uh, it'll come in an authentic way as opposed to trumpeting 
from a corner that you're going to get people healthier, make them live longer or make them rich or something like that. When all you really want to do is enrich yourself. Were you always interested in the happiest people, those that live the longest? You know, was that something you decided you wanted to just look into? Where did that come about? So when I graduated from college at an age when most people are seeking useful and productive careers, I rode my bicycle from Alaska to Argentina, set a record, biked around the world and biked across Africa. And then that led to a series of more scientific expeditions. We called them quests. And uh, we had 10 or 14 people. Um, we had state-of-the-art uh, satellite dishes and, and computers. And we let an online audience of over a million people direct us. And indeed, we harnessed the wisdom of the crowd to solve ancient mysteries. And a lot of these expeditions were around, well, why did the Maya civilization collapse? Or well, did Marco Polo really go to, to uh, China? So I got to, I got to bring teams of National Geographic photographers and Harvard PhDs to solve these mysteries. But we stumbled upon this great mystery in 2000, uh, the island of Okinawa, the islands of Okinawa, uh, in 2000, had the longest-lived, healthiest people on the planet. And I said, aha, this is a cool mystery because there are 77 million baby boomers in America who are all just you know, starting to get gray around the temples, and they're going to be interested in getting the most good years out of life. What can these people teach us about doing it? And I knew they, they had nothing going on genetic. It was a melting pot of people. So we turned our sights from archaeological mysteries to kind of the anthropological mystery of how to live a long time. And hence, Blue Zone was born. It's funny, too, when I first heard about the Blue Zones, the one that stuck out to me was Sardinia, because I was recently there. I guess it was about two years ago at this point. And my first thought was, of course, they live forever. It's paradise. And you're surrounded by beaches. And the food is delicious. And the people are nice. I would live forever just because I would never want to die. I know that feeling. But the reality of Sardinia, I hate to tell you, is the blue zone there is nowhere near any of the beaches or good food. It's up in the highlands, which wow. are impossibly rugged, almost vertical type uh, whitewashed villages. Uh, most of the people who are making age 100 uh, at rates 10 times greater than America were shepherds. And they didn't live really hard lives, but it was a life of routine, a life of low-intensity physical activity, uh, a, a meaningful life um, where family and community were put above all else, ab above, say, you know, Epicurean delights or mm. lolling about on beaches. And, well, they did drink a type of wine called Cananao that had three times the levels of um, polyphenols, or artery-scrubbing antioxidants than any other known wine in the world. I wanted to talk to you about the wine. I want to talk to you about all of the things you found in this work. The first thing that came to my mind, though, is obviously as shepherds with the exercise, I know I, I watched your TED Med video. You talk a lot about exercise that's on the forefront of everyone's minds. Is there something specific about that kind of exercise they were doing that really made them stand out? And is that uh, typical in all the blue zones? Yes, it is typical in all the blue zones. The, uh, Americans, I hate to say, have it wrong. We've been sold this fitness BS for 60 years. 
this idea that we can be sedentary all day long and then go work it off in the gym for a half hour. It's not the way the body works. Every 75 minutes or so of inactivity, the body drops into a, a hibernative state. And, and what we ate for breakfast quickly goes to our waistlines. When you look in blue zones, whether it's Sardinian um, shepherds or the fishermen of Okinawa or uh, the, the goat herders in, in Ikaria, uh, they weren't working hard, but every 15 or 20 minutes they were moving. They they never sat around for more than that, except for maybe their mid-afternoon siesta. Uh, they had their they're growing much of their own food. They had gardens. Um, they lived in communities where every time they went to a friend's house or the store or church, it occasioned a walk, and it was usually over hilly terrain. And uh, their their life was free of the mechanical conveniences we we've used to engineer physical activity out of our lives. So it's, it's not the work really hard and, you know, get a body like you see on the cover of men's fitness or, or in shape magazine. It's more about engineering small bursts of physical activity uh, into our hourly life. Have you ever wondered after doing all this research, how we strayed so far from what would what sounds like our natural way of being you know i'd imagine this kind of community based we're walking around we're gardening farming things like that enjoying each other's company and then now especially in america or western culture in general we're so far from that you know have you ever thought about why or how we got here and why we're still doing this well it's it's actually a byproduct of American ingenuity and enterprise, and and I don't badmouth it actually because for you know twenty four thousand nine hundred ninety nine generations of human beings, twenty five thousand ge- generations, we in order to survive, we had to preserve calories, we had to rest whenever we could, we had to seek uh, calorically dense foods like meat and honey and dairy products because we we needed those calories and over the last 100 years we've just gotten so good at getting all the calories we need and making our life so full of rest and and we've just kind of over evolved in a way and i in the same way in the 1970s we were realizing that smoking wasn't such a good idea and policy and uh, to a certain extent taxation and education conspired to to reverse that bad idea uh, i think we're now just beginning to realize that we have to use those three levers to uh, devolve back to a, a place where we're more human more like our forefathers it's almost as if we're a victim of our own success and i think uh, obviously with your research but i've been reading things about the millennials and the differences just on the generation before them, it seems as if we're trying slowly. I mean, it is an evolutionary process, but to to get more back to that uh, grounded level for the most part, people are seeking this out. I mean, it's apparent in the big push towards organic food and you know things like that but i think there's also a lot of other issues or trends that are showing people want to to live more peacefully more maybe a slower life and obviously a healthier and happier life i think you're probably right especially as we increasingly spend more time watching tv and getting on social networks online there there is that 
yearning for purpose and back to human roots, but we're not going to be able to do it as individuals. Uh, 1970, we had one third the rate of obesity, which is more or less a proxy for life expectancy capacity, um, greater life expectancy capacity. And people were less educated. And uh, now, now that, you know, obviously that number has tripled. And I think what's going to require individuals to be able to go back backwards, so to speak, and back to the way that was yielding a higher quality of life is uh, uh, paying attention to policy. We have to, we have to look at workplaces and restaurants and grocery stores and the food environment, uh, food policy, built environment policy, tobacco policy, and go back and tweak the environment, optimize the environment as opposed to beating that dead horse of individual responsibility and scolding people or even just endlessly reminding them to eat their veggies and move. Uh, it's very hard to do when you live in a food desert or walk through airports or or you know try to uh, fill up your car with gas and get routed through a gauntlet of sugared sweets and and uh, salty snacks. And now it's time for our awesome sponsors who support Smart People Podcast. It's time to make an admission. When John and I were in high school, we both had pagers, and it was pretty awesome. But times have changed, and nobody uses pagers anymore. In the same way, nobody needs to go to the post office anymore. Now you can do it all using stamps.com. You already know that going to the post office is a huge inconvenience. You have to get in your car, fight traffic, find parking, and wait in an annoying line. But what you probably didn't know, you're paying more for postage than you have to. Stamps.com is the better way. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, right from your computer and printer. Then just hand it to the mailman. With Stamps.com, you'll get special postage discounts you can't even get at the post office. Never go to the post office again. John and I use Stamps.com for sending out everything with Smart People Podcast. I also use it for my other business and absolutely love it. Saves plenty of time and money. Right now, use our promo code SMART to receive a special offer. You get a no-risk trial plus a $110 bonus offer, which includes a digital scale and up to $55 in free postage. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in SMART. That's Stamps.com. Enter SMART. I was looking on your website at Blue Zones, and I noticed there's also, and with kind of the second edition of your book, The Blue Zones, there's another component that's even more, at least in my, it appears to me, it's even more prevalent now. And that's this happiness, right? The true happiness. I know you've written a book called Thrive before. And it's one of the things I'm extremely interested in. We talked a little bit about the longevity. What factors did you find played the most role in somebody being just truly happy at their core? So if happiness is a... Um cake recipe and there's a genetic variable right about 40 percent of your happiness or lack thereof is genetic but 60 percent is up to you it's uh did i hook up with the right partner if you hook up with the wrong person that could be 90 percent of your unhappiness do i make enough money uh do i have meaningful work do i have health these are all variables in the equation that the variable that is most heavily weighted actually, is where you live, at least of the variables that you can control. 
So if you live in an unhappy place like Moldavia uh, in a for, former Soviet bloc country and move to Copenhagen where people are very happy, the Moldavians, regardless of their income, their gender, their, their ethnicity, when you move Moldavians to Copenhagen, within about a year they start reporting the happiness of their adoptive place. So if you want to be authentically happy, the biggest thing you can do if you're in an unhappy place is move to a happier place. I guess your environment being a direct factor, but hadn't thought about kind of just getting out. And I guess being in America, would you consider, well, actually, that is, that's a good question. What would you consider America to be on that level of geographic happiness? Well, we get about a B or a B minus given our income level, but there are enormous variations within America. Mm -hmm. There's a, if you live in the American Southeast, Kentucky, West Virginia, Mississippi, um, your happiness is about 20% lower than it is if you live in a place like the Midwest, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, which top Gallup's happiness, uh, happiest states index this, this year, or uh, Boulder, Colorado, San Luis Obispo. Uh, there's enormous variance. Now, to put that in perspective, now imagine that you want to live your happiest life, but let's just imagine you live in some suburbs. There's no sidewalk. You don't really know your neighbors. Every time you want to go someplace, you have to get in your car. There's no easy access to recreation. Uh, you're kind of isolated from other people unless you do something weird like go next door and knock at your neighbor's house. As opposed to living in a neighborhood that has sidewalks and trees and uh, there are e community centers easy to get to, public transportation where you're bumping into people all day long. Um, that you have easy access to uh, places of worship. Um, it makes a huge difference where you plant yourself. So you could take all the positive psychology in the world, all appreciation journals and, and uh, uh, meditations and take all that stuff and bring it out to the suburbs and try, try to get happy all day long. It's not going to nearly be as effective. It's just planting yourself in a place where, you're going to have quality social interactions and um, it's going to be easy, e easy for you to be fit and easy for you to, to uh, indulge in the interests that, um, that uh, line up with your passions. You mentioned something that really made me think when you talked about kind of financial stability, you know, it matters if you make enough money. But then again, it's all relative. So you can, I'm sure you have examples of individuals or groups of people that don't make a lot of money by most standards, but they make enough for their own happiness. That to, to maybe to us, when I say us, I just I guess I mean in America, would seem, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Do, do you have any examples of that? Yeah, so money does buy happiness to a certain extent, right? And no matter where you leave, live, you need enough money to buy food. You're not very happy if your belly's empty all the time. You need shelter. You need some health care if you get sick. You need uh, you need some mobility. If you live in a crappy place, you need to be able to move. You, you need some education. Um, but after you get those fundamentals taken care of, the effect of a, an added dollar does not buy you an added dollar of happiness. In other words, marginal, uh, a diminishing of marginal returns. Um, so as long as you have those, those fundamentals and in, in, in Northern Mexico, it's about $5,000. Uh, in America, you need about 
fifty or sixty thousand dollars for um, the average family to have an optimal amount of money. If you're living in New York, Los Angeles, or San Francisco, you can probably double that. Uh, but for the average American, fifty or sixty thousand dollars will get you enough. And after you've made that much money, you're better off focusing on other facets of your life as opposed to making more money because that extra money is not going to buy uh, enough happiness to be worth the time. Before you go, is there a silver bullet to happiness and or longevity that you've found? Just one out of maybe the nine or one that you haven't mentioned? Well, there's no silver bullet. But I would say if you're unhappy or if you want to live longer, the thing to focus on is your five best friends, the five people you spend the most time with. Uh, we now know that if your five best friends are obese, or even if three of those friends are obese, there's a 150% better chance that you'll be overweight. Uh, if your friends are unhappy or lonely, that's all contagious. Hmm. So curating that close tribe of people who you surround yourself with, and I wouldn't necessarily say dump your old friends, but I would tell you to take stock. Are you bellying up at the end of the day with uh, somebody who complains all the time and is negative? Or are, are your friends people who sort of push you to try new things and uh, go and be active on the weekend? And um, those five friends, curating those and making sure they're, they're nudging you in the right direction is so important because friends tend to be a long-term adventure. And uh, whether it's longevity or happiness, if you're not going to, if it's not a long-term influence, don't waste your time with it. I love it. That's fantastic advice. And again, the you know second edition of your book came out a little while ago, The Blue Zones, Nine Lessons for Living Longer from the People Who've Lived the Longest. And like I said, I've been on bluezones.com for a while now, just browsing. It's really incredible stuff. You have the true happiness test. And so... I recommend people check that out. We'll put a link on there. Is there anywhere else that you kind of stay active where people can keep up to date, or does that pretty much cover it? No, we have uh, I have 40,000 Twitter followers at Blue Zones and uh, about 25,000 Facebook at Blue Zones fans. And we always, we're all, every single day we add new uh, evidence-based uh, tips and even some recipes now and again, and I would welcome welcome more more friends on, on social media. I'd, re I'd recommend that everybody who's listening come to Minneapolis and buy me a glass of wine. You know That's what? That's the best thing they can do to be happier. I will do that next time I'm in Minneapolis, which well, I look, yeah. don't, don't know if I haven't been there, but I will look you up and buy you a bottle of wine. <laughs> it's like somebody just told me when I asked him what his favorite cocktail was, he says – whatever you're buying. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Well, Dan, I know you're busy. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. This stuff is fascinating. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the great work you do. This is really uh, useful stuff for, for us as a civilization. So I appreciate it. Oh, it was a brilliant uh, interview. Uh, I, I enjoyed talking to you and we'll, we can revisit again later if you want. And yeah, definitely. Success to you. Sounds great. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right, brother. Bye-bye. Thank you guys for listening and thank you for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dan. Again, his book, The Blue Zones, Nine Lessons for Living Longer from the People Who've Lived the Longest is absolutely fantastic. I recommend you pick it up and check it out. Yeah, and we'll put some links up on smartpeoplepodcast.com in the uh, post for Dan where we'll link to his TED Talk and some other things so you can check that out. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter 
And don't forget, one of the coolest things, tweet us at SmartPeoplePod and add Dan in there at Blue Zones. So let him know you heard him here and you enjoyed it. That really helps us kind of contact our guests, let them know that their message is being heard, get better guests, and you can start a conversation. Might be the time you get to talk with Dan. And as always, if you enjoyed the podcast, head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a review. We truly do appreciate everybody that leaves a review on one of those sites. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Smart People Podcast. Podcast.